0: As we prepare to hear God's word to us this morning, let us prepare our hearts and our minds hearing these words from Psalm 43. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. Lord, this morning we do pray that you would bless these words to our hearts and our minds may we hear your voice clearly and may we see more clearly the path you call us to follow as your children we pray this in Jesus name amen so this morning we're continuing our series looking at restoration and renewal in Ezra Nehemiah and today we are switching over to the Nehemiah portion of this book and somewhat as we did in Ezra because of the long sort of narrative nature of this book we're going to jump around a little bit to get kind of a full picture of what is happening so we're going to start in Nehemiah chapter 2 and we'll read verses 1 through 8 and 11 through 16 And then we're going to jump over to the end of chapter three. So we begin in Nehemiah chapter two, reading verses one through eight. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was served him, I carried the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This can only be sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my ancestors' graves, lies waste and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my ancestors' graves, so that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen also was sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a date. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, directing him to give me timber to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the gracious hand of my God was upon me. Verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I got up during the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the animal I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate, past the dragon's spring, and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down, and its gate that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the animal I was riding to continue. So I went up by way of the valley by night, and inspected the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate, and so returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest that they that were to do the work. And then finishing in chapter three, verses 28 through 32. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each one opposite his house. After them, Zadok, son of Immer made repairs opposite his own house after him Shemiah son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate made repairs after him Hananiah son of Shelemiah and Hanun sixth son of Zaleph repaired another section after him Meshulam son of Berechiah made repairs opposite his living quarters After him, Melchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants opposite the muster gate into the room of the corner. And between the upper room of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmith and merchants made repairs. This is the word of the Lord and we give thanks for it. So this morning, as we dig into Nehemiah, we're going to see the sort of balancing act that emerges and that we are called to navigate in our own lives. And that is this balancing act of trusting God, of believing in his promises and calling on his name, but also stewarding wisely our resources and our knowledge of looking at how to best go about the plans that God calls us to live into. We see right away in chapter two, that Nehemiah had this plan to come before the king and to ask to be able to go back to Judah. It is not necessarily spelled out in detail. But Nehemiah has served this king for quite a while. And he has made the decision that the best way to introduce his question is to allow his sadness to show on his face. To get the king to ask questions of what in his life might be making Nehemiah sad. He had a strategy that he went in with. And he puts it into action. And then we get to the end of verse 2. Where his plan has worked. The king has asked him this question. And now he is afraid. This is a moment that so many of us can also relate to. And this is where right away we are introduced to this balancing act that is the Christian life. Nehemiah has felt God calling him to return to Judah. So Nehemiah came up with a plan that he felt would allow him to move in that direction that God was calling him. And then the plan starts to work. And even though he had thought it through ahead of time, and he knew what he wanted the end goal to be, in the middle of his plan working, Nehemiah becomes afraid. The stakes are at their highest even though he thought it through ahead of time this is the moment the first moment where everything could fall apart where both his own planning and his trust in god is truly put to the test will the king be open to hearing nehemiah's plea Or will he simply be angry that his servant is looking to leave his court? Was even bold enough to come forward and be sad in the presence of the king? Both in our lives as individual Christians and as a church community, we have seasons, we have moments where we are going to face this balancing act. In the life of the church, and even in our own lives, it is more circular than linear. In that it is not simply once in our lives that God calls us to something, and if we do it faithfully, Then we just go on and never again, God is going to ask us to change direction, to try something new, to be obedient to him. No, throughout our lives, we are going to continually be brought into spaces where if we are going to be obedient to God's calling, we're going to need to have a plan. And we're going to need to be willing to execute that plan confident in our planning, but most of all in God's planning. Trust that God will lead us in wise discernment and that God, who is sovereign of the universe, can triumph over anything that might cause us fear. Our task as Christians, as faithful followers of God, is to copy what we see of Nehemiah here, is to not shy away when we feel that tension, but instead to lean into it. Here we see that after the king said, what do you request? Nehemiah pauses and prays to God. Now, Nehemiah doesn't stop to pray because he doesn't know what the answer is. God has already told Nehemiah what his request is to be. But Nehemiah pauses to connect with his God to bolster his confidence in being obedient. He has acknowledged the fear and the hesitation within himself to fully execute this plan. So he takes that moment to come back to God, to reconnect to his heavenly Father, the one who provides everything he needs, to have his courage empowered by God so he can boldly ask to be allowed to go back to Judah. Here again is this circular relationship that we have with God. We spend time listening for God's voice discerning in a community what God might be calling us to. Then we spend time coming up with some logistical plans and some strategies for how to live into that calling. But as we go through each step, we are invited and we need to keep coming back to God not to second guess what we heard, not to ask God to let us off the hook, but to remind ourselves that it is God's strength upon which we stand. It is God's work that we are called to be about. And so it is God who will equip us to obediently live into that calling. So Nehemiah gets permission to come back to the city. And then we have this section in verses 11 through 16 that at first glance seems perhaps a little deceitful. It's certainly curious in that he has come back and he's been here for three days. And then in the middle of the night, he decides to get up and do some inspections to get a full picture of the task that is ahead and to be able to do so without the whole crowd of people with him, but to simply spend some time filling in the details of what God has called him to. I think for us as churches, this can often be one of the most exciting, but also one of the most difficult things that we are called to do. We as Christians and as churches have this amazing calling from God. God has given us the great commission to go forth and make disciples. God has invited us in to his work of building his kingdom. And as a local church, as Christ's Community Church in Nanaimo, God is calling us to do unique work here in our city, in our neighborhoods. That calling is a joy it is something we get excited about and we want to run into that obedience we want to be about this work of faithfully helping to rebuild god's kingdom to be about the redeeming work of our culture of our city of our nation but do we listen well? Do we do all of the background work that is needed to be done to really know how to best do the work? Nehemiah wasn't simply just building a wall that they could kind of figure out what they wanted it to look like and do it. They weren't starting from scratch. There was no clean slate. Some of the foundations were already there. There was damage and destruction. There was rubble. And perhaps there were parts that were still good. There were solid starts that they could build off of. But to truly rebuild well they needed to know what they were working with. Nehemiah needed to get an accurate picture, not influenced by the people who might be overwhelmed by the amount of work, not hearing opinions from those who perhaps aren't skilled in building but might want to have input. Nehemiah goes right to the source and he spends time uninterrupted where he can simply paint the landscape, see what he has to work with, what he might need, so that when they begin the actual physical building they are doing so in the most efficient and sturdy way. We, as the church, are invited into this work of showing God's kingdom here and now. But it is important for us to remember that no matter where we go, no matter where God has called us, there is not a blank slate that we are starting with. That God is already always at work in these places. That in our neighborhoods, there are already good people doing amazing things. There are individuals and organizations working for justice and mercy, working to feed and to clothe, to heal and to care. It is not our job to come in and try to build over them, but to celebrate the solid part of God's kingdom that we are already seeing standing there and to ask how we can come alongside and continue to build with them. When we come into our neighborhoods, when we come into our city, we must do so first with a curiosity, with a willingness to humbly be hosted by others who are already there. God is about his work of building his kingdom. And though he has called us to join him, to do so well, we need to be willing to first sit in that place and truly see what is happening and how we might be of an asset to that place. How we might continue this work of building better. Then we come to these last verses of chapter three. And it might at first seem like we skipped ahead But really, this section rounds out how it is that we as Christian communities are called to go about the work of rebuilding. And if we look through just this list of names and see some of the other details that are there, we see how Nehemiah was truly quite genius in his work of leading this rebuilding. We see that most of these people were called to make repairs opposite their own house. And we see that those with special skills, whether it was the goldsmiths or the merchants, that they were called also to use those skills on a broader scale to benefit the community with their special talents. And though we didn't read all of chapter 3, if we had, we would have seen that nobody was let off the hook. Whether you were a merchant or a priest, you helped rebuild. You were responsible for the area opposite where you lived. When we look at this calling that God has given us to help show the world his kingdom. It can be difficult to know how to approach that because we as the church are called as a body, but we are also a body with individual parts. We see this throughout the new testament this balance of individual and corporate of part and body of working together as one but knowing your unique gifts and abilities as we reflect on how we do god's work well it is important for us to not set aside either one of those, to not simply seek to go off on our own individual ways, simply doing the passion projects that call to us and neglecting the calling of the church as a whole. But neither are we as the church called to ignore the fact that within our body, each individual has unique gifts, that each individual represents a different place in this community, depending on where they live, the organizations that they are a part of, the relationships that they have with their neighbors. All of these are opportunities for us to be about the work God has called us to. As we think about the church, as we think about our church and where God might be calling us in this next season, a season that at this moment feels uncertain, that has new challenges because of our reality of living through the COVID-19 pandemic. it is a perfect opportunity for us to do this work of inspecting the environment around us, of seeing where God is already at work, of seeing the places that perhaps are empty, where we see a need but no one yet is filling it. It's an opportunity for us to reflect on the gifts and the talents and the passions that God has placed in this community that we call Christ Community Church. This season can feel frustrating at times because things that we have loved doing for years have had to be paused opportunities that we had to engage in our community have been stopped, and we don't know when or if they will start again. But the challenge for us is to see this as the opportunity that it can be for us to name within ourselves the fear and the anxiety that might be there and to bring it back to God asking what faithful obedience looks like at this moment. Our challenge as Christ Community Church is to do this as a whole body, to not let those in our community slip away, but find ways to continue to engage them and encourage them in using their gifts for God's kingdom. for us to see that though our spheres might be a little smaller right now, that it is okay, that perhaps God is simply calling us to the work opposite our own house in this season, to truly see what is right in front of us, and to do that building well. Because even though it might feel like such a small portion, when each of us is faithfully together doing our part, we know that the whole will one day be completed. this work that God calls us to is tiring. It is difficult. It can feel confusing at times. There are going to be moments where we know that we are not as obedient as we need to be. And there are going to be moments where the calling God has given us simply feels Too big. But the beauty of our God is he is a God who knows and understands that. He is a God who through Jesus Christ gave us physical reminders of his provision for us. It is a God who sets before us a table that has room for everyone. A table that calls for us to come to be given the nourishment we need to continue the building God calls us to. So hear now this invitation from your God come to this table you who have much faith and you who would like to have more you who have been to this sacrament often and you who have not been for a long time you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Now let us hear the story of how this sacrament began. On the night on which Jesus was betrayed, he sat at supper with his disciples. While they were eating, he took a piece of bread, said a blessing and broke it and gave it to them with the words, this is my body which is for you do this to remember me later he took the cup saying this cup is god's covenant sealed with my blood drink from it all of you to remember me So now, following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and this cup, the ordinary things of this world, which Christ will use for extraordinary purposes. And he said a prayer before sharing, so let us do so too. Generous God, overflowing fountain of good, you who lived from all eternity in trinitarian abundance and yet made room for creatures, creating life through the mediating sun and the hovering spirit, pouring out value on all that you made. You honored us with the breath of your life, making us in your image and likeness to care for the earth in stewardship and love to live together in hospitality and zest as a daily reminder of your trinitarian abundance you crowned us with virtue and honor and are now renewing us in your image through the work of your son magnificent you are strong god giver of splendors You bless inside a world of curses. You heal inside a world of wounds. You save inside a world bent on being lost. We thank, praise and honor you, generous God, overflowing fountain of good through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Come then for all is ready. Christ was raised to life, death is swallowed up, victory is won. Alleluia, let us keep the feast. I invite you now to take the bread. Take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of Christ is the bread of heaven. I invite you now to take your cup. Take, drink, remember, and believe that the blood of Christ is the cup of salvation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these reminders of your love and your provision. Lord, we pray that as we seek to be obedient in answering your call, as we go about the task of learning the places you have put us in, of coming up with plans and strategies for how to fulfill your calling, lord we pray that we might do so open to the empowerment of your spirit lord in those moments of weariness may we remember this table your table at which we are reminded we receive both physical and spiritual nourishment and lord as we go through our moments and our days We pray that we might always turn to you. That we might seek your guiding hand in every circumstance. And that through all things, your name might be praised. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.